from Daniel Studios in Cincinnati, Ohio. It's the Dennis Daniel Show. And now, here's your host. He is Cincinnati's next big radio personality, Mr. Dennis Daniel. Can you dig it, sucker? Thank you all so much for joining us, and welcome to a special edition of The Dennis Daniels Show. I am your host, Cincinnati's next big radio personality, and the only radio personality to survive the mine apocalypse, Dennis Daniels. And folks, give up once again, I would not have anyone else to ring in the new year with, except for my lovely announcer, Bill Dandy. Folks, it is a special edition of the Dennis Daniel Show. It is our last show of 2012, which means only one thing. It's time to celebrate what made 2012 such a wonderful year for the Dennis Daniel Show. So we are proud to present the very best of the Dennis Daniel Show for 2012. This year was such a big year for the Dennis Daniel Show. We had everything from goddesses to dragons to avatars, to horsemen, to folks from the future, spirits from hell, minotaurs, even a sponge from under the sea. And we are so proud to share some of our best clips from interviews with Janet Varney, Kathy Westlook, James J. Dillon, Christian Potenza, Brita Palencia, and Tom Kenny. And those are just a few names that have been on the Dennis Daniels Show in 2012. So if you want to hear the interviews that we're going to feature in their entirety, head over to iTunes and download them via the Shrimpcast. You can also check out the All Taste Explosion Shrimpcast on Stitcher Radio. Just download the Stitcher app from the Apple App Store and do a search for Shrimpcast, and you'll be automatically connected to the All Taste Explosion Shrimpcast. So without further ado, let's start off with our first clip. 2012 was known as the Year of the Dragon, according to the Chinese Zodiac. So, being the new year and the Year of the Dragon, we have to start the show off with something special. So, we had a baby dragon on the show. That's right. I'm talking, of course, of Spike the Dragon from My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. And we had his voice actress, the wonderful Kathy Westlock, on the program. Now, aside from Spike the Dragon, Kathy is also known as the Chinese Amazon shampoo from the classic anime Rama One Half. And what came out during the interview was that yours truly had a bit of a thing for the Chinese Amazon in high school. And who could blame you? Purple hair, third-person accent, ugh, and above all that, she cooked such wonderful food. Well, it was no doubt that she would get my juices going, but even I wasn't surprised for what would happen during this interview, which took place on February 3rd, 2012. Let's take a listen at what happened. That was really fun to listen to Shampoo again come through the the, the eras there. Yeah, that was a, that was a really uh, fun thing to do because it was really the only character there that wasn't uh, talking naturally. Um, but I think Shampoo wants to say something to you, Dennis. Oh? Ready? Yes. Dennis, Shampoo, take you to date? I would love that very much, Shampoo. <laughs> yes! Woo! Oh, we're going to do it! Oh, Packers! Woo! 
to be careful with that. I, 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 I don't care. I don't care. No shampoo needs to stop chasing around Rama. You know, Rama's getting chased by Kadachi. Ukyo, yep, Akane, exactly. you know, it's like it's like a three-way race and nobody's winning. Such a big shampoo to date. But, but shampoo, I'm taking you to date. No, no, no. Oh, wait for Dennis. That Dennis no answer me. So well, hey, hey. But, 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 Forget Ranma, forget Cedric, spin it with a winner. Dennis Daniel, the cult of personality. Oh, sorry, Dennis. Well, if you have chocolate. <laughs> uh, I will bring chocolates and flowers and everything shampoo like. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, gosh. I, I, I just, again, I love that. I just love it. Shampoo has is, is got to be one of my favorite anime girls of all time. Oh, just... yeah, Ranma. No, not Ranma. No, Ra no, no, Ranma. Why, Ranma? Oh, yeah, Cedric. Oh, yes, Dennis. <laughs> there it is. There no, it I got, I got, I got, I got a bow. I got a bow. So not only is Kathy Westlake still good at doing shampoo, she's also good at shampoo flirting with other men. Now, of course, this would not be the only highlight of the interview with Kathy Westlake, as I would learn a little later on down the road why you should never, ever, ever, ever tell Kathy you've never seen Cyber Six. Let's take a quick listen. Let's go ahead and talk about Cyber 6, you know, Cyber 2 times 3, Cyber 3 times right, 2. Right. You voice, of course, Cyber 6, or she's also known, Adrian Seidelman. What was that show like? Now, I've never seen Cyber 6. You've never seen Cyber 6? It only aired in Canada and Argentina. How much? What? 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 Uh, the cyber, I couldn't help myself. Uh, cyber Six was uh, was one of my favorite things to do, and you know the women don't often often get chances to do the the lead role in a series, and so that was part of the joy for me was being able to do that. Um, you know that was a that was a that show uh, did a little breaking through on a lot of levels, and I think because it was kind of set almost in a European kind of uh, setting, uh, that was kind of unique as well, and also just from the coloration of the animation. Uh, from an animation standpoint, uh, the coloring was was fantastic. They used the dark blues and the the grays and orange and black and you know very very much a bit like the the, the Death Note look. Um, but they would do camera angles from from below Cyber Six when she would be you know jumping down or this and that. There's a lot of different things that that show showed us that we hadn't seen before in animation. So there were a lot on a lot of levels. I really enjoyed doing it. Um, you know the the uh, the fact that she was part cyber and part human, there was the conflict there and having to get her sustenance. Oh, you have to watch it, Dennis. You'll like her outfit. So, so let me see if I, I can comprehend this. By night, she's this kick-ass human android cyborg, but by day, she's a teacher. A male teacher. Well, she, she's disguised as a teacher, yeah. I, I can't explain that except to say maybe they were just going for a broader audience. But um, she disguises herself as a teach a male teacher, yeah, and becomes friends. Maybe that was her way of getting closer to Lucas, who she was in love with. I have no idea. Or, or maybe you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, it just they left it all open, and I and I think that's part of the appeal, the uncertainty and the mystery of it. You know. 
It's a shame that these good shows. It's a shame that these good shows they, they they get cut off right in the in the middle. It's 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 a real shame. I mean, I, I've yeah. never seen Cyber Six, but I will start seeing it now after the after the the cavalcade of voices you just did. I'm like, like, like am I going? I'm going crazy. Now these characters aren't just Seven, seven, I hear the voices. You know, after listening to that clip over and over again, I still have no idea what the heck happened. But again, that's why Kathy Westlock is one of the best. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to feature a clip from our interviews with Eileen Stevens, James J. Dillon, Nicole Oliver, and Tom Kenny. You are listening to the very best of The Dennis Daniels Show 2012. This is Ash Ketchum from the town of Valley. While I'm training to become the world's greatest Pokemon master, Pikachu and I like to listen to the all-taste explosion with the Boogaloo Shrimp, featuring John Pokemon and the Dennis Daniels Show. And welcome back to the very best of the Dennis Daniels Show for 2012. This is a small reminder that you can catch this interview and many other great interviews on blogtalkradio.com forward slash all taste explosion. And you can also subscribe to us by clicking the follow button in the upper left-hand corner. Now, people have been asking me, Dennis, where in the world did you get such a wonderful announcer for your talk show? Well, it's a funny story. It happened the weekend of Easter. I was making a call to my brother and, well... Out of nowhere, this lady comes out of a bathroom mirror while I'm making the call. You know what? Maybe better to show you this clip. Look, there's been a mistake. I didn't ask for an angel to be my girlfriend. You guys sent her to me by mistake. What do you mean you can't do anything until Monday? Yeah, I know it's Easter weekend, but what am I supposed to do with her until then? No, you guys need to get an automated menu. It's 2012. Oh, there you are, Dennis. Well, what's wrong? You seem tense. It's nothing, Bell Dandy. It's just... What am I supposed to tell my parents when I bring you home for Easter dinner on Sunday? I can't just say, Oh, hey, Mom, hey, Dad, this is Bell Dandy. She just fell out of the sky and she's with me for life. But, Dennis, that's what you wished for. And it was granted. And that's what the Goddess Technical Helpline was established for. Is it my fault your number and John Pokemon's cell phone number are so similar to each other? I missed out one time and boom, while I'm washing my hands in the men's bathroom, an angel pops out of the mirror. Well, that's how it works, I'm afraid. I'm sorry that I'm a burden. Is there any wish I can grant to make you feel better? Any wish? Of course. That's what I was set here for, to grant your any given wish. Just so we're clear... You'll grant any wish I have. Uh-huh. Well, then, since you're here, and since it would be a waste of a perfectly good wish, I want you to... Go on. I want you to... Be my new talk show announcer. Think you can do that? Of course. Awesome! <laughs> All right, showtime. Let's go make some magic. <laughs> Yes, And the rest, as they say, and the rest, as they say, is history. 
I've got my own personal announcer who's a goddess. You can't get any better than that. Well, except for this next clip. Uh, after telling Eileen Stevens, who voices Bell Dandy, that the server issues that we had that month caused me to have to watch a lot of Saturday Night Live, uh, I was not expecting her to be an SNL fanatic just like yours truly. So take a quick listen or else you're going to end up in a van down by the river. I want to hear more of the church lady. <laughs> oh, well, no. Isn't that special? Yeah, isn't I, that I, special? Well, isn't that special? I love the church lady. I'm yeah. really glad you, uh, you you tapped into that Dana Carvey old nugget. Yeah. I'll tell you what. That, well, actually, here's what I did. I, I took that. I recorded me saying Satan in GarageBand, and then I added a little reverb. So when it came out, you, you had that cool echo thing. And I thought, well, since you, you did you did voice up, oh, Elisa, who is one of the gym leaders in the Unova region, and she's got okay. those short outfits. So, uh, we had, of course, we had to do the um, – <laughs> I want to try it one more time, actually. So uh, so the question is, who dresses Elisa? Could it be Satan? Of course, half the audience is going to go, who, who is that? So, so, so they're going to have to YouTube that. It's funny because just last year, um, Dana Carvey came back to guest host SNL, and he um, did Church Lady, and he interviewed the Kardashians, Snooki from the Jersey Shore, and then Justin Bieber. And it, was, it was just so funny. I, I, I tell you what, Dana Carvey has got to be one of the best people on that show, aside from Chris Farley. Yeah, uh, Chris Farley... Tina Fey is great. Um, I like Amy Poehler. I mean, you can, yeah, you can look at, there's so many different characters on that show over year. I mean, Will Ferrell was on it, and I loved the, the cheerleaders. I don't know if you remember, that was also late 80s, I think, early 90s. Was it was kind of a break. Look, I would check out the cheerleaders. It was Will Ferrell in one of his best roles as a cheerleader. Who VAs like Eileen? Nobody. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. I, I, I Great, now I got a motivational speaker joke for another, for uh, for Tory Meadows. Well, Tory Meadows, you like hacking into computers? Well, let's see how good you're hacking into computers when you're living in a van down by the river. <laughs> oh gosh, I've opened I've opened the gates to a comedic hell, I, but I didn't. That clip proves that you can expect the unexpected on the Dennis Daniels show. That being said, let's dive into our next clip. Later on in April, we got to talk with voice actress Janet Varney, who many know as Korra from the popular next installment in the Avatar series, The Legend of Korra. In this clip, we talked with Janet about hearing the big news that she would voice the title character in the next chapter of the popular Last Airbender series. Your current best-known role now is Korra from the brand-new Nickelodeon series, The Legend of Korra, which you can catch Saturdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Nickelodeon. How did you audition for the role, and what do you think of her character? Well, uh, I think you, you actually did a, a really great job of acquainting uh, the listeners with what the show is about. Um, I think you pointed out it takes place about 70 years after the original series, Avatar The Last Airbender. And um, obviously Aang, has, has his, his sort of spirit and the Avatar power itself has been reincarnated into this this teenage girl who kind of still, you know, she might be a little bit big for her britches, and she's part of a water tribe. Um, and it's about, you know, her adventures in not only coming to terms with what her responsibility is to the world 
and what that really means, but also, you know, who she is as a person above and beyond those powers and um, and kind of just how to, you know, how to get along in the world. Um, the audition process was uh, pretty pretty similar to any other audition process that you would do on camera or off camera. I went in a, a couple of times um, with a bunch of other people, and, and the uh, creators, Michael and Brian, were... You know, they were just kind of real careful to, with not just with my character, but with all the with all the cast, um, to really try to find voices that they felt. You know, they did have the conceptual drawings already, so they they really knew what they wanted the characters to look and feel and sound like. And um, I guess you know whatever I was bringing to the table, uh, probably because I'm a little bit stubborn and sarcastic. And, uh, That's not and, a bad uh, thing. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. So maybe maybe they kind of uh, tapped into tapped into that or, or you know were able to sense that a little bit in me. But um, for whatever reason, I just was incredibly incredibly lucky. And um, and I when I got the call, I'll never forget. There's a lot of you know I've been really lucky to get a lot of great jobs in this town, and I've also been just like everybody else. You know the vast majority of jobs you audition for, you don't get. And I sure know what it feels like to be told no. But um, this particular job, I will never forget. I was in like a fabric store. I think I was buying some stuff to make some like arts and crafts that I was working on at the time. And uh, my voiceover agent called and told me that I got it. And I, I'm not like a, I'm a lot like Cora in that I'm not really that gr- like a girly girl, and I don't like shriek a lot. I more yell than I shriek, you know, and all that. But I screamed like a little girl and jumped up and down, and, like, the entire store stopped what they were doing and all looked at me. It was super embarrassing. If you got such a great role that is a sequel to possibly one of the greatest Nickelodeon programs in the history, with no disrespect to SpongeBob, I would be doing backflips. I'd be jumping off the walls. Thank you. It, See, was, it, was, it was a reason to celebrate. You've got to take your celebrations where they happen. I feel this could be the show to bring a lot of older fans back to Nickelodeon because you've got your action, you've got drama, you've got comedy, you've got everything that made the first Avatar such a booming success times 100 in this brand new series. And I agree. With a great cast, even even Richard Epcar, a good friend of the show who uh, who plays the cop that tries to arrest Cora, I'll be like, hey, back off, you metal pig! <laughs> and I'd be like, I don't how do you guys? How do you know Richard? Did he go to the university, or do you know him another way? Richard what? was on our show last year. He was on last okay. February, oh, and he nice. he kind of teased so the Legend of Korra a little bit, and nice. he did want me to tell you that he said hi. Well, I I guess I can't tell you to say hi back, but if you do talk to him, you tell him I said hi back. But I might see him before you do. Well, he wanted to tell you that you're doing a great job on the show. Well, thank you very much. I thank you. I thank Richard. Um, I, you know, it's the number one most important thing to me about the show. To me, none of it means anything if the fans aren't on board. It just doesn't mean anything. So, um, when we, when it got time for the show to air and we knew that, you know, that it was going to get into the public eye, I've never been more nervous about anything in my life because I agree with you. I think that the original series is one of the best things that has ever been on television and, you know, you really want to do it a service and you want your fellow fans to, to appreciate the new, the new twists and the new show. So um, I was really, really nervous. And when I started getting the first few bits of feedback from from fans saying that they they liked it and that they thought that 
I, in particular, did, and you know, I'm in terms of like me worrying. I was most worried about like what are they going to think of me. I knew they were going to love the show because I had the privilege of you know reading the scripts and doing the voiceover and being with my fellow actors. But I felt uh, super nervous about Cora herself because I just wanted to represent her and the right way and when people said you know we like your voice and we think you're doing a good job i was uh, just over the moon i've said it before and i'll say it again if i found out i was voicing a key character in the sequel to one of the greatest cartoons ever made i myself would be bouncing off the walls well maybe i'd be water bending off the walls we then move into april 27 2012 when we talked with voice actress and model sarah nodachini who many know as the new Ash Ketchum from the animated Pokemon series. Sarah has received a lot of negative criticism for the way she voices Ash in the animated Pokemon series. In this clip, we talk with Sarah about picking up the role that made Veronica Taylor the legendary voice actress she is today. It must have been kind of daunting knowing that you're, you're coming in to replace uh, Veronica Taylor, who of course is also yeah. on the show, who had done this for eight seasons. That's, that's, that's a long time to be doing Ash. So were you feeling kind of in, of nervous or shocked or intimidated that you're, that you're coming behind someone who had done the role for close to ten years? Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I mean, having her, I mean, I, I also grew up with it because I was like 11 years old or something when the show came out. So I was that perfect target audience. I was watching it and I remember liking it so much. And her voice was great. She was so good on that show. And, I mean, of course, <laughs> all of the Internet <laughs> totally agrees. They're like, oh, my God, she was the best ever. Um, but I've been doing it pretty much as long as she had done it, almost as long as she had been doing it now. Um, so hopefully I've earned some, you know, cessation of the hateful, <laughs> hateful commentary that has inundated the Internet. Yeah. Over the last few years. But, um no, but I have the utmost respect for her, and she's really fantastic at what she does. Yeah. Now, see, here's how I see it. You know, of course, I grew up, too, watching Veronica Taylor be Ash. But, you know, as we grow up, you know, things change. And, you know, I, I used to sleep with a blankie when I was a little kid. I, I don't do that anymore. Tastes change. And, of course, you know, you can't keep doing the same role forever. I mean, what happened when, when Mel Blank died and they got new people to do Bugs Bunny? Sure, some yeah. people didn't like it, but it kept going on. Yeah. It's so, as I see it, you know, it, it, it was a tragedy what, what the Pokemon company did, you know, get rid of Veronica and Eric just to save two to three grand, or at least that's what Eric told us. But, you know, it opened the door for the voice actors of tomorrow, future voices that we're going to hear in anime produced by, whether it's produced by 4Kids, whether it's produced by the Pokemon company or Funimation. You know, we have to be able to realize that things change. It's like that one Pokemon song. Everything changes. You, yeah. you can't just uh, sure, sure. Maybe, maybe it's it's lost a little heart, like Veronica said. But the thing is, you know, it's opening the door for new people to have have the window. I mean, okay, a lot of people want to say they, a lot of people say that they want to have Veronica back, but they don't think about what's going to happen to Sarah. You know, Sarah has been doing this. Close as long as Veronica has, you know, you're gonna kick her out of a job just so Veronica come back? No, no offense, of course, no offense. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I did nothing but take a job that was offered to me like anybody else on the planet would. I don't know Veronica. I mean, I, I've met her a few times since I've gotten the job, you know, in passing. But I've, I, I didn't know who she was. This wasn't like a personal attack. Like I'm gonna go and get her job. Like I auditioned, not knowing what was going on. 
and I got the job, and I'm like, yay, I got a job. That's awesome, and I took it just like anybody would. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, all those, like, crucifixion online. I, I know, exactly. You you saw an opening, you took it, you got a job. Apparently, it also came with all this, this fallout and backlash, and, and that's yeah. really, really ridiculous. I mean, yeah. people shouldn't watch Pokemon because of the voices. People should watch Pokemon because of the Pokemon, for Pete's sake. Yeah, the characters. I mean, you love the show. I mean, so many so many shows that I've grown up with have gone through changes. South Park went through changes. I noticed them. I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna freak out about it. It's just You're not gonna go on the internet and, and, and I mean, troll yeah. like how you wanna how you wanna attempt to assassinate Trey Parker and Matt Stone, even though they yeah. need to need to calm down a little bit. They're getting a little full of themselves in some of these more recent episodes. Yeah. And it's amazing that Pokemon has such a dedicated fan base. That's a wonderful thing. But yeah, I mean, obviously that was at first it was hurtful, but then I just learned to look at it like that. This has nothing to do with me. I didn't do anything on purpose. I didn't, you know. Sarah, to quote the internet, it. "Haters gonna hate." Haters gonna hate. That's all it is. <laughs> you, you, sh- you shouldn't. You shouldn't feel bad, Sarah. You're you're in a role. You're in a prominent role. You're you're beginning your career, and you're already yeah. in a show that is seen by millions worldwide. Yeah, and that's awesome. It's an amazing opportunity. I'm so glad that I can't. I can't believe that this is my life. When I booked it, I was completely out of my mind. I just I couldn't believe it. You were a fan of the series growing up, and mm-hmm. and now you're doing what you grew up loving. So why yeah. should people be hating on you because of that? They shouldn't. It's it's stupid. Mm, yeah. But a lot of people can do what they like. Yeah, and that's the nature well, of the internet. They can write whatever they want. Well, I bet I got a, at least two hundred people writing review on how how Dennis is a sellout. Oh, how he doesn't want Veronica back. What a traitor! Oh, eh, tra- <laughs> I hope that's not happening. Eh, tra- eh, you know what? Haters gonna hate. Let them let them hate. hate. More attention oh, for man. me. Once this interview went on YouTube, the floodgates opened. People in support of Sarah. People in support of Veronica. It's a back-to-back flame war, and you know. We may never know who is the greater Ash Ketchum. Our next clip comes from our interview that took place on May 25th, 2012, when we talked with legendary manager and WWE Hall of Famer James J. Dillon. James J. Dillon, who many know as the iconic manager of the greatest wrestling faction in history, the Four Horsemen, led many wrestlers to championships in both the WWE and the WCW. However, When we talked with Mr. Dillon, he informed us that he was on the board of committees for the WWE Hall of Fame, which honors several superstars each year. And when we told him that we think that Cincinnati superstar Flying Brian Pillman should be considered for next year's WWE Hall of Fame, he told us a bit about how the Hall of Fame process actually works. When your name is being mentioned on the same list with Gorgeous George, you know, with with Hulk Hogan, with all the legends from the past, Andre the Giant, and your name is being mentioned in the same sentence with these people. That's very humbling. Well, Mr. Dillon, uh, you said you were on the board of directors for the Hall of Fame. Boy, have we got a we got a recommendation for you. Now, we come from Norwood, Ohio, and from Norwood, Ohio, was a wrestler that we feel really, 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 really really deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Chris, why don't you take over from here? Well, you can get off your knees for begging now. And, uh, I mean, I think Denny would like, uh, we would like to plug just that, uh, you know, if you could ever uh, mention Brian Pillman. Oh, 
wow. in a sentence, you know. We'd, uh, yes. we'd appreciate it. Yes, Brian Pillman was a Norwood-born native. He he got a start, you know, in the Cincinnati Bengals. He had he had a small run there. Then he went over to WCW and tag-teamed with Steve Austin and made the Hollywood Blondes a very popular tag team. And then, of course, came over to the WWE where he would become the loose cannon Brian Pillman and uh, even had the infamous Brian's Got a Gun segment. Just saying, you know, uh, grew up in the house right next to my uh, my grandma and my my father. You know, again, you know, you, we talk about the horsemen being ahead of times and, and being innovators and paving the way for other people. Uh, Brian Pillman was an innovator. He was ahead of his time too. And uh, tragic that uh, you know that we lost him, you know, when we did. But I had a chance to to uh, to be around to to be around Brian and uh, and, and to get to know him. And uh, you know, saw him with what he went through. You know, uh, with his accident, it, it, he just, he was a great guy. He really, really was, and uh, certainly worthy of uh, uh, what's happening because the the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame is. This was only their eleventh induction. They're they're now, you know, little by little, because each year they only bring two from one year, one tag team, what have you. So there's a lot of worthy people um, that are just now getting the recognition that, you know, they had to wait their turn kind of thing. And so, uh, and, you know, the, the worthy, I look at it this way because of the legitimacy of the selection process. And you, you go on their website and see how how it's structured. Oh, definitely. You know, the people that are, the people that are worthy uh, in time, we'll get there. Exactly. You know that, that and that's the thing. You gotta, you gotta take it as it comes, uh, and it'll get there. You know, uh, my two-year-old daughter, my daughter Cadence, she actually, I, uh, I, uh, I make her watch. You know, I don't, I don't make her watch anymore. She watches now on her own. Uh, we sat, and we watched the Hall of Fame when I got the WrestleMania disc, and uh, you know, she knows all about it. And you know, hopefully one day I'll be able to explain to her. You know that. Actually, a famous professional wrestler, maybe by that time a Hall of Famer, Brian Pillman just grew up right next to her great grandma. Yeah, went to went to the same high school that we went to. Got honored in the athletic Hall of Fame at that school. Yeah, again, a, a, a great former on the Bengals and, and a big wrestling icon. And uh, you know, maybe we'd like to uh, see him get into the whole thing. Maybe a little, maybe a little, little hey, awesome. uh, there is a legitimate process, but. Also, there are people who, uh, you know, speak highly of certain people and feel that they're 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 worthy. That their voice creates awareness because there are so many people out there, and and the committee, there's a selection committee each year, and the committee changes from year to year, and the and the body of voters changes from year to year. So, it doesn't hurt to have people say, you know, that I think. You know this individual or that individual is worthy of consideration, and uh, and over time, uh, uh, I think that attention, uh, you know, help that that creation of awareness uh, may speed up the processes. But if if you know, and if they're worthy of getting in, that that will, uh, like I say, hopefully speed up the process. Well, maybe we can uh, get a little YouTube audience to help us out there. Maybe put a little. <laughs> That reference there helped get Brad Pillman the whole thing. Maybe put a little, maybe uh, maybe got a little uh, little incentive. You know what, Mr. Dillon? Maybe, maybe a little, a little bit of that. A little rose cutter. A little Brad Pillman. 
Sorry. So we learned that the Hall of Fame does have a system for who to choose to go into each year's Hall of Fame ceremony. So if the superstar that you want to see isn't in yet, probably chances are that he's going to be coming up sooner than later. We're going to take another quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to feature clips from our interviews with Erica Schroeder, Brina Palencia, and Tom Kenny. You are listening to the very best of the Dennis Daniels Show for 2012. world with the power of my ultimatrix, me, Kevin, and Gwen like to listen to BearCastRadio.com and to the all-taste explosion with the Boogaloo Shrimp, featuring John Pokemon and the Dennis Daniels Show. It's hero time! And welcome back to the very best of the Dennis Daniels Show for 2012. If you're just joining us, we're taking a look back at some of the best clips from our interviews from this past year on the Dennis Daniels Show. As a reminder, click the follow button in the upper left-hand corner to follow blogtalkradio.com forward slash explosion and find out when the next interviews for the Dennis Daniels Show will take place. We then move into summer of 2012, our annual summer season where we feature the Summer of Bigger Biggerness, where we bring you the biggest interviews with the biggest guests on the biggest time of the year. Our next clip comes from our interview with voice actress Erica Schroeder, who many know as the original Monkey D. Luffy from One Piece. This interview took place on June 19, 2012. Enjoy. One of your best-known earlier roles was Monkey D. Luffy in the four kids dubbing of One Piece. What was it like working on the series? And if you have seen it, what do you think of Funimation's redubbing of the series? I had a, a wonderful experience. I had an amazing experience working on it. It was different. I'd done a lot of other shows um, where maybe I wasn't in the original cast and I was kind of thrown in in season two or season three. Um, and then a couple of other shows where I had, a, you know, a main character but not, but not the main character. And this was such a huge um, task for four kids to take on, such a huge show with such a huge reputation. So... They really approached it differently than I than we'd ever really approached any other kind of show before, in that um, we had a ton of people from Japan with us the first couple weeks. Um, I don't know if Ikira Oda was there or if he had representatives there. I, I honestly don't recall, and I know there were a lot of people there from Toei, and I don't know who exactly. Um, I was a little intimidated at first, to be honest, because I hadn't had that kind of experience yet. Um, in terms of having a director, you know, you always have the director, the producer. Um, you may have two producers in the first couple weeks, and you, and then you have the engineer. So you got, two, you know, two to four personalities and opinions that you're dealing with. Um, this experience, there was probably seven to nine, maybe in the first couple weeks. We actually had board meetings, not in the recording studio, where we talked about character. We talked about the arc. We talked about his personality, his point of view. Um, they were very, very, very serious about me getting it right, getting this character's... Um, and this was after all the auditions I went through. You know, I had several auditions with all of them, and uh, once I got past that and, you know, they said, this is the girl we want, then, then we had to fine-tune and perfect um, their vision 
uh, in a different language. So I, I, I love, um, you know, voice matching is something I excel at. But then beyond voice matching, you have to have your own take, your own personality that shines through. So, um, I mean, yeah, I found it very interesting, a little intimidating, but but extremely exciting. And uh, I know that people, like, I didn't find this out until way after I did it because I never paid attention to anything online. I never read anything. I was, you know, too busy with my career, and I'm busy with my career now, but I also am a stay-at-home mom, so I'm trying to balance both. So I have more time to uh, interact with fans and find out what they're thinking and what, you know, what their point of view is and, you know, if they like a show, if they don't, and, you know, what the reasons are. Um, so I did find out after someone told me that they loathed my laugh on One Piece, which made me a little sad because I love it. I think it's, I don't know if anybody can, you know, remember, but it's kind of an homage to Woody Woodpecker. It's similar, but different. You know, kind of honoring the memory of, uh, that cartoon for me, even though I came out way before I was born, but I, I still loved it. Um, and also, uh, that was actually the idea of the producer, John Kalish. He said, you know, i really like to have a signature laugh for Luffy, something that really stands out, something that's different, and something that, uh, that says, you know, this is, who, this is who he is, because he's so joyful, he's so exuberant, he's so energetic and so intense. Um, and I did several laughs for them and for uh, all the Japanese people that were there, the creators, the um, people from Toei. And this was the one that they loved, and this was the one that everyone said, that's, that's the laugh. So I feel pretty confident about it, and I still feel confident about it, and you're never going to please everybody. But, um, I mean, that's the wonderful thing about, about acting and, and also being an audience member is that you can – love one performance of somebody's and then hate the next. And that depends, you know, it's sometimes it's the actor, sometimes it's the director, sometimes it's the producer. There's many elements that go into creating a character, you know. Um, but overall, excuse me, I had a wonderful experience. I had an absolute wonderful experience. I loved working with my director. Um, I, I loved the, my main engineer. We just had a fabulous, fabulous time together. We had so much fun. And uh, I think you said the second part of the question was, had I seen the redub? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I had not seen the redub. Someone, a fan, I think a couple months ago, posted, a, uh, I think, the, Luffy's first entrance into the series when, as he comes out of the barrel. And... Um, and asked me what I thought. I don't remember what they exactly were asking me, but I thought Colleen's performance was very good. I mean, she's a she's a great actress. Why why shouldn't it be good? You know, um, I think it's totally anyone's right to redub anything they want to redub, and I think that it would have been fun to have the opportunity to to do a more um, uncut, edgy version. But you know, we were doing it for young children and we had to follow standards and practices very very carefully and so of course you know people who are fans of the show before you know the english version would probably you know get upset about that but uh yeah i mean that's their right and 
but they also have to understand that if a show is going to air at a certain time, it's going to have a certain uh, appeal to youth, and it's going to have um, it's not going to have all the the gratuitous violence that they would like to see. It's not going to have some edgy plot lines that they might want to see. Um, and as long as people are willing to to understand that as they're viewing it, you know, I think they can really, really enjoy it because. Uh, life isn't all about um, being shocked or being, you know, it can be about subtleties and it can be about um, enjoying, you know, a softer side of something. Hey, I think I'm going to remember the four kids dub a little bit better because of one line you said as Luffy in One Piece, and that's going to stick in my head for till the end of time, I believe. And that's when, that's when you always would say, I'm going to be king of the pirates. Yes, they really like to put that line in there a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, okay, we get it. You want to be the king of the pirates. What's wrong with your voice? It's like you got kicked in the gum-gum fruits. Well, that's kind of similar to the voice of the original. That was a very scratchy voice. They really liked that. They wanted very boyish, very, um, you know, tough, but also goofy. Goofy-loofy. If you can't, you know, embrace that, you've got nothing. Much like the Ash Ketchum debate, there are two sides to the One Piece debate as well. Which one is the more entertaining one? We may never know, but they're both there for us to enjoy, and we should enjoy them to the fullest. Our next clip comes from our interview that took place on July 6, 2012. During the summer of Bigger Bigness, we got to talk with voice actor Christian Potenza, who many know as Chris McLean from the Total Drama series. In this clip, we talk with Christian about his new Animation Nation army and how you can enlist. Enjoy. So uh, tell us a little bit more about this Animation Nation Army. Okay, well, uh, a few, two years ago, two or three years ago, uh, there was this guy, I'm going to leave his name out of it, but there was this little kid from Pennsylvania uh, that was saying that he was me. And he was like, hey, Come to my channel, subscribe to my YouTube channel, and I'll tell you everything that goes on about Total Drama. We'll have chats. I'll run contests, blah, blah, blah. And he said he was me, and he had pictures of me, uh, you know, that he took from the Internet, and he posted it all over. He did a heck of a job. And then I, was, I get called into the offices, and they're like, what are you doing? You've signed confidentiality agreements, bro. Like, you, you know, what, what the hell are you doing? And I just said, that wasn't me. That's not me. And so... so the kid wouldn't give me my he wouldn't give me my name back for the channel. That's why it's called the Christian Potenza channel. Uh, he wouldn't give me my name back, and he blackmailed me. He was like, "I want a passport to Canada, and I want a part on Total Drama." And I was like, "Dude, I can do nothing for you on both those things, and are you blackmailing me?" So, anyways, so what we did was we strategized. We were like, "Why don't you just take a camera into work?" So I did. So I brought a camera into work and I said, hey, here you go. Um, you know, a lot of you are, you know, are getting confused that there's this guy saying he's me and there's a bunch of other people on Facebook that are saying they're Christian Potenza. Well, they're not because this is me. This is where we record total drama. They, oh, and look who it is. And I started, you know, talking to other people on the show. And uh, next thing I know, within a week, I've got like a couple thousand subscribers and it's all these people that are like, oh, I've always wanted to be a voice actor, or I always wanted to be an animator, oh, I always just wanted to get into animation, blah, blah, blah. 
So I've got all these kids from all over the, all over the world who want to get into cartoons. And so I started, you know, I started working with a few of them and, uh, uh, you know, on, on different projects and helping kids get involved in becoming a voice actor. And I was like, my, my agent was like, it's like you have this army of kids that are just like, you know, just so into what you're doing. And I was like, yeah, it's like a little animation nation army. And then I was like, bingo. <laughs> so that's what it is. And now I've got big plans. We've got stuff coming up. I start doing these tours. Uh, where I go to these conventions and I get to hang out. We do panels and, you know, I interact with the fan base and it's, it's just awesome. And, you know, it's just the response to it has been amazing because the, the fans for my shows are like no other. I've never met anything like this because a few years ago, if you were doing cartoons, didn't really matter as much. But now if you're, if you're on a cartoon, you're a rock star to anybody 7 to 17 years old, hardcore. So I'm loving it, man. i got the best job in the world. I'm like, you know, I'm turning 40 soon, and I'm riding my skateboard to work, and I'm part of, you know, I'm part of Saturday morning cartoons. So you were wrong, guidance counselor McNulty. You were wrong. Gosh, that little kid blackmailing you. It's like you had a miniature corny harassing you. Oh, dude, it was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. Gosh, but it's so... I'm sorry. No, but what was interesting was because I couldn't get at this kid, and then he started, you know, being one of those little hater troll guys, and then I I just said, hey, everybody, I can't take this kid, and I let the the fans police that instead of me getting more involved with this kid. That kid disappeared. They, They just, like, shut him down, and that's what I like about my fans. They're They're loyal. And there's like, you know, everyone's, it's got a positive vibe. That's what I like about the Total Drama fans and the 16 fans, the sidekick fans, or, you know, people that are involved in the Animation Nation Army. They don't, they're not crazy internet people. You know what I mean? They're really just good kids. And and, and everyone's really positive and supportive of each other. And that's what I like. That guy should have got the hurl of shame. Or... Oh, dude, dude, he would have got the Chris McClain knuckle sandwich special if I ever laid my hands on him, man. Oh, that kid, to, to no end, that kid. It's so cool that Christian Potenza takes the time to interact with his fans on his YouTube channel, The Christian Potenza, which you can find a link to at the All Taste Explosion website at www.alltasteexplosion.com. Moving right along into our royal interview, which took place on August 2nd, 2012, when we talked with voice actress Nicole Oliver, best known as the queen of all ponies, Princess Celestia from My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. We held a contest to determine who could write the best letter about friendship to the princess of Ponyville. In this clip, we read the letter to the regal Princess Celestia. My dear princess, we have had 200 letters from your followers enter our mailbox as part of the Letters to Celestia contest. And through all those letters, we have learned many lessons about friendship as their stories have grown and grown. We present to you a letter from one of your faithful students, the one that was the letter among letters. I don't know. Pretty good? I don't know. Pretty good. Anyway. It's lovely. It's lovely. Dear Princess Celestia, I hope this letter reaches you without incident as I am currently writing it from the middle of the ocean. Though I'm sure that you have had many opportunities to visit the ocean, I wanted to write you about a lesson in friendship that these seas have taught me. 
when I look out across the waves, most of the time all that I see is nothing but endless water, and it seems like I'm the only one out there. I think that's the way a lot of ponies feel when they look at themselves, like they're all alone in a big empty world. When I climb up on the mast and search beyond what I can see down on the deck, I realize that I'm anything but alone. Friendship can't be approached like waiting for two ships to pass each other by chance. You have to be willing to take the time and effort to go out and look for new friends. If all you're doing is waiting for some pony to come and find you, you might miss out on all the wonderful things that friendship brings. Who knows? Your next best friend might be just over the horizon looking for a new friend, too. Your faithful student, Stormy Seas. Oh, that's wonderful. And that was the winner of our Letters to Celestia contest. We had over 200 letters submitted just to have one letter read to you on this interview. That's fantastic. Well, that's a lot like what I was saying, right? If if a door is open, you need to walk through it, not stand and wish or think what would happen if. That's what Stormy Seas was saying: is is take some risks and 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 not be afraid. Don't let fear prevent you from experiencing life. Stormy Seas is right. You have to take a chance and make new friends. You can't expect to live life all by yourself without taking chances. So go out there and take some chances, kids. I do it all the time. Our next clip comes from our Blog Talk Radio debut from October 16th, 2012, when we talked with voice actress Brina Palencia, who many know as I Inma from the dreaded and fearsome Hell Girl series. In this clip, we see what happens when Brina does her iconic monologue when Hell Girl sends someone to hell. Do I go to hell? Let's check out this clip. Well, Brina, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. It's truly a huge honor. And, you know, with Halloween right around the corner, there there's only one way that I could see that we end the show in a spooky uh, note. Do you think that you could give us the uh, Hell Girl monologue that we have come to know and love? Absolutely. I'd love to. All right. Hang on. Get ready. Got to get ready. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. You ready? I'm ready. Oh, pitiful shadow lost in the darkness, bringing torment and pain to others. Oh, damned soul wallowing in your skin. Perhaps it is time to die. This isn't the studio. Floating candles. That request... wasn't a request. We're not going to... to... This is vengeance. So I'm preparing to hell. Stop the music! Stop the music! If I do have to go down there... Can we at least go down there in some style? You know, a little something like this? Well, it looks like me and I have a bit of a date down under, and I don't mean Australia. Uh, Brina, thanks so much for being on the program. Guys, check out her great shows on Netflix with uh, Sergeant Frog, Black Butler, Casher and Sins. 
Uh, check out Funimation.com to find out how you can purchase some of the awesome shows she has been in. And check out the Troubadours, Troubadours.com, for more information. We'll have a link to the All Teeth Explosion website. We'll see you guys down the road. I, I hope. See you all next week. Happy Halloween. <laughs> all right, I. Let's roll. <laughs> Once I got to hell, I was immediately kicked out. I abused my power and learned nothing. Just like the guest from our next clip, which took place on November 10th, 2012. Now, I wanted a guest for my birthday that had the same stupidity, the same moronic ideas that I do. So who do I get? None other than Single D. Ed from Ed and Eddie. And in this clip, we talk with his voice actor, Matt Hill, about what makes Ed so special. Well, not that kind of special. Yeah, it's a symbiotic relationship in a sense. You know, you give us. I like how you say that, Dennis. It is a symbiotic. What is that again? Symbiotic. Yeah, symbiotic. Yes. A symbiotic. Vintage Ed. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, well, that's actually a great tangent, so we, we, we've got to get into this. We're, we'll talk about the uh, the character that made your career and the show that made my childhood. Uh, one of your best-known okay. roles is, of course, Ed from the iconic Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Um, you've already talked about working on the uh, program, and, uh, and you talked about how, to, um, how you developed Ed's uh, character. Uh, what is the thing you like most about Ed? He is the best looking of all of us. That is what I think, in my humble opinion. Um, and um, don't ask one of the Kanker sisters, though, because um, she will, well, they think I'm kind of a big deal, too. But <laughs> um, I like playing Ed because he has a big heart. Um, he runs very fun, funny. Um, and also, he is, like I said, he has quite a ladies' man, and he can dance the light fantastic. I think Ed is, is a character that we can all relate to because there are days when we just have that, uh, you know, that derp moment and, and, and we, and we want to say the most, the most stupidest thing. There, there you go. Now, here I'm doing it now and now I'm proud of it. But Ed just, he, he reflects what makes, makes humanity so great, you know, in, in a time when there's war and, and the economy and we, and the devastation from all the mega storms. You know, there's a way that we can all look into ourselves and find that, that ignorant bliss. And I got to tell you, if ignorance is bliss, Ed is the king. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think Ed represents the very best of all of us, and we should all try to be like Ed. Now that I don't mean don't shower for a thousand days or have a, a monobrow and no chin. But you all know what I mean. Our final clip comes from our interview on December 5th, 2012, when we talk with voice acting great Tom Kenny, best known as the iconic voice of SpongeBob SquarePants. In this clip, we talk about the impact that SpongeBob has had in its 13-year run on Nickelodeon, becoming one of the longest cartoons to run on a network television series. SpongeBob has just always been this great this great gift where uh, uh, 
you know, he kind of he kind of came my way through Steve Hillenburg, and then we made the seven minutes short, and then we couldn't believe that they let us do that, and then the short got turned into a series, and we couldn't believe that it was actually becoming a series. Maybe it'll last a season or two if we're lucky, and now 13 years later, uh, it's the, the franchise is still going strong, and it's it's global. You know, last year I was uh, in Italy, and I was in this remote. Uh, mountain village in Italy, and there's a you know a, a waitress that's waiting on us in a cafe is wearing a SpongeBob T-shirt and she doesn't even speak English, and you know it's just really uh, it's a trip you know because so many things if if you do the math from 1999 to 2012, so many things have come and gone you know things that were huge and and just you know in your face, and now are completely forgotten in the pop cultural you know, landfill uh, where stuff comes and goes very quickly. And SpongeBob manages to be one of those rare things that actually has staying power. And, and, you know, it's, it's a great fun show to work on the, 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 you know, the rest of the cast are all delightful people. Everybody, it's all the original cast that started 13 years ago. Everybody's still doing their same parts. And, you know, it's kind of this uh, comfortable old shoe where we go in and record it and, Unlike a lot of animated shows, uh, it's it's done full cast recording, so everybody is in the room at the same time. So Patrick is standing next to me, and Squidward is on the other side of me, and Mr. Krabs is behind me, and Plankton's over in the corner. And my wife, who plays Plankton's computer wife, Karen, uh, my real-life wife, uh, Jill Talley, uh, plays Plankton's wife on the show, is uh, is back there next to Plankton. And, and we're, you know, we're just laughing and yucking it up and ad-libbing and, you know, having as much fun as as it was when it was first starting out. It does sound like you have a lot of fun on, on this show. So, um, blogtalkradio.com, this is the Dennis Daniels Show. We've got Tom Kenny on the air, best known as SpongeBob, and the new SpongeBob Christmas special. It's a SpongeBob Christmas. Debuts December 6th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Nickelodeon. And don't forget, it's a SpongeBob Christmas album on iTunes and Amazon. SpongeBob! <laughs> hey, yeah! So as you can see, 2012 was an incredible year for the Dennis Daniels Show. Whether we were talking with Kathy Westluck, to Tom Kenny, Janet Varney, or Erica Schroeder, whoever we talked to, we had fun and we loved doing it for you, the audience. And we hope it, you'll stay with us for 2013 when we have the biggest and the greatest guests to ever come on the Dennis Daniels Show. Unfortunately, we are out of time. I want to thank you guys for joining us. And if you want to learn more about the Dennis Daniels Show, head over to alltasteexplosion.com, click on episodes, and catch up with some of the great episodes of the Dennis Daniels Show. You can also click the follow button in the upper left-hand corner to stay up-to-date when new episodes of the Dennis Daniels Show will debut here on blogtalkradio.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ATExplosion and the Dennis Daniel, And like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Dennis Daniel Show. That's going to do it for us, for Bell Dandy, for John Pokemon, for all of us here at the Dennis Daniels Show. We thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you in 2013. Good night, everybody.